Well, good afternoon, everyone. The H1B guy here. And today, the H1B guy live, April 13th, 2022. Today, I'm going to cover the H4 Work Authorization Act, the May Visa Bulletin, and taking your questions and comments. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and like this video so that I can continue to produce more content like this for you. I also wanted to mention the H1B Guy offers a variety of consulting services. I help businesses and individuals solve complex work authorization issues in the recruitment process while bringing awareness to employment-based immigration benefits. If I can help you, please reach out. I'd love to hear how. Today's post is brought to you by our sponsors, Syndesis and Path to Canada, the ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain, by perm-ads.com, the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process, and by our newest sponsor, Mob Squad. Are you a technology professional facing US work visa challenges? If your OPT visa is about to expire and you were not selected in the H-1B lottery, our partner Mob Squad has a solution. Well, it's great to be back live with all of you. Um, I wanted to go ahead and, and mention, if you have any questions or comments, please be sure to post those in the chat. I will get to those towards the end of the stream. Um, would love to take any questions you have surrounding the visa bulletin, um, any discussions around this H-4 uh, Work Authorization Act, uh, conversations around the EGLE Act, which moved out of the uh, House Judiciary Committee last week. So if you do have any questions or comments, please feel free to drop those in the chat and I will get to those. Um, I also wanted to mention really quickly, if you're looking for ways to support the H1B Guy platform, you can do so through the Super Chat function currently in the live stream on YouTube. If you're watching or listening to this at a later date, um, there are ways to help support this platform in the video description below. But most importantly, if you can just like and subscribe, um, share my content, uh, leave us a rating if you're listening to this in podcast platform. I would really just appreciate you taking the time to do that to, to show some support here for the H1B Guy platform. With that being said, I wanted to move into very quickly uh, last Thursday, I believe, um, Thursday, April the 7th, uh, there was legislation that was introduced and from a press release that is on Bordeaux.house.gov titled uh, Congresswoman Bordeaux Salazar introduces bipartisan immigration legislation to support local economies and families. Quote, Congresswoman Carolyn Bordeaux, Georgia 7th District, and Maria Elvira Salazar, Florida 27th District, introduced the bipartisan H-4 Work Authorization Act to address the national labor shortage affecting American businesses while helping immigrant families thrive together. The bill would allow H-4 visa holders to be automatically granted their work authorization without needing to submit a Form I-765 employment authorization document, which can take years to be approved. Right now, the spouses of highly skilled immigrants have to fight through years of bureaucratic red tape before they are allowed to work in the United States, said Congresswoman Carolyn Bordeaux. 
This bill removes these needless barriers to ensure families can contribute and prosper together. If we're going to continue to be competitive and attract the greatest minds and talent around the world, we must ensure the family members of the high value immigrants are able to build a life and a career in the United States, just like everyone else. I'm proud to co-lead the bipartisan H4 Work Authorization Act, said Congresswoman uh, Maria Elvira Salazar. The policy will help Miami and the United States maximize our entrepreneurial spirit and continue leading in job creation, innovation, research and development and economic growth by meeting critical labor market needs. The H-4 Work Authorization Act changes current law to allow the spouses of H-1B immigrants to automatically be granted work authorization upon receiving their H-4 visa. This would remove the requirement for visa holders to apply for Form I-765 Employment Authorization document. The legislation hopes to fill America's labor gap and allow these visa holders to quickly work and provide for their families. It could also help to reduce the backlog of work authorization applications at USCIS by providing immediate work authorization to H-4 visa holders and reducing the number of work authorizations USCIS must process. H-4 visas are issued to dependent spouses and children who accompany H-1B, H-2A, H-2B, and H-3 visa holders to the United States. Many H-4 visa holders are highly skilled people in their own right and previously had careers of their own or work to support their families. Currently, H-4 visa holders must apply for work authorization and wait for it to be processed before they can work, even though they are already in the United States and their spouse is working in the United States. Due to backlogs at U.S. Citizenship, or US, USCIS, excuse me, applications for work authorization can take anywhere from six to eight months with some applications taking over a year to be approved. You know, we've covered this a good bit here on this platform, the extensive H-4 uh, EAD delays that we've seen, you know, dating all the way back to the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021. These are ongoing issues. Um, of course, we've seen some legislation more recently that's allowed for automatic extensions. Uh, but I think the biggest thing, and this is something that, you know, for, for you to, to, to be aware of, um, and that's not really even alluded to here, but most of you already know, an H-4 EAD, um, unfortunately, isn't issued until the spouse, the H-1B, has an approved I-140. Um, and that's the second step of the green card process. And, and sometimes that can take three, four, five years before that individual has an approved I-140. Um, and can provide a copy of that to allow their H-4 dependent to file the I-765. So once that happens, you know, you're looking at a minimum six to, to more than a year of time before the actual physical card is received, uh, which grants I-9 status, meaning immediate work authorization, that physical card, that's, that's been a big component of, um, of the H-4 EAD. I go back to May 2015 when an executive order was put in place by then President Barack Obama um, that created this H-4 EAD and, and granted work authorization for individuals um, uh, that are spouses of a high-skilled immigrant with an approved I-140. Uh, I, I said for a long time there was initially kind of a, a gap there. Most H-4, H-4s at the time had not worked for many years. Um, and, it, and it created this talent pool. But over time, 
um, you know, that gap in employment for these individuals has, has definitely subsided. And I think that, you know, we see here specifically um, from Rep Bordeaux, who is uh, in the seventh district, um, the seventh district here in Georgia is a, a fairly large congressional district, um, somewhere over 800,000 population living in the district. The other thing that is very interesting about the district lines, when you start to look at the areas to which um, it encompasses, uh, you're talking about uh, as far west as Peachtree Corners. Um, and as you move over into the Duluth and as far south as Lilburn and kind of cutting across there through central Gwinnett. Um, and then as it makes its way up, we're talking about Swanee and Buford and even as far north west is coming and when you start to look at these corridors there are fairly large immigrant populations living in coming duluth buford swanee and making your way down kind of into that gwinnett area um the lilburn and, and snellville area so it's a very blended demographic when you start to look at it and so i think it's interesting that uh that rep bordeaux is is at the front end of this um of course we've we've talked about Rep Salazar in the past. She's very heavily in the immigration side for, from a House perspective. Um, but to see, you know, Carolyn Bordeaux here, representative from uh, the 7th District of Georgia, and when you look at, you know, kind of the tech hub that has become Metro Atlanta uh, and what this means to some of the constituents in this district specifically and creating a demand for labor, it, it's interesting to see her um, kind of leading this. Now, for a long time, I, I think the interesting thing is how H4s and L2s have been viewed. L2s have had work authorization really from the get-go other than the application process, but now that's changed. Those L2s are now issued at CBP, at, at the, the port of entry, um, which grants work authorization uh, based on that really immediately. Um, but here we still have H4s who have to wait a significant period of time. We've seen some of this type of language included in the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021. There was work authorization for H4 dependents included in that. Um, this is an untapped labor pool. And when we start to talk about 2 million plus job postings and a, a severe shortage as it relates to recruitment and talent acquisition, um, I think this is a, a standalone piece of legislation that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm sure it will see it, its resistance, but I'll be very interested to see how it begins to, to collect some momentum working its way through committee um, as well. But to me, this is really common sense. Um, I, I am a proponent of increasing the, the labor pool. I'm a proponent of um, providing work authorization to dependents of high-skilled immigrants, specifically due to the fact that most of the dependents that we're talking about, 90% of which are women. I've covered the USCIS delays multiple times, telling these stories around uh, um, spouses of, of H4s who were impacted, who experienced job loss. And so this would all go away. This would remove the need for the I-765 for H4 dependents. And, and, and in actuality, I think this would be something that would be a, a really positive as, as we start to look through it.
So wanted to just take a few minutes and cover this H4 Work Authorization Act, um, you know, released by representative not far from the district to which I live in. Um, but uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to follow this along and, and see how long it takes. Of course, it could be part of um, a bigger uh, comprehensive immigration reform. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of these little small standalone immigration pieces of legislation be introduced um, just over the last you know, year or so. Of course, the, the aforementioned U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021, um, we have the Eagle Act of 2021, uh, again, just previously mentioned. Um, more recently, we have the America's Children Act. Um, we have the America... Uh, Compete Act that has some some immigration uh, language in it. We have the Relief Act. We have the H one B and L one um, uh, reform that that was introduced by our, our good friend Senator Dermon. Um, and and now you know we have this, uh, which is another piece of legislation um, you know surrounding immigration. So we're starting to see a lot of momentum here in in kind of the the, what the third quarter of the fiscal year when you start to look at what those timelines mean and how long it will take some of these uh, pieces of legislation to move through committee um, of, of course on Friday I covered um, the jumpstart act that was introduced by by Zoe Lofgren the recapturing of the, the wastage of green cards so again I mean literally on on one hand outside of of the the legislation that was included in Build Back Better, um, you're looking at, you know, literally we've got Eagle Act, we've got the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021, which we've really heard nothing from um, since it was introduced by Senator Menendez, uh, um, America's Children's Act, which addresses the documented dreamers issue, uh, Eagle Act, which was introduced in 2021, um, the Relief Act, the H1L1. I mean, you're we're we're literally at six to seven pieces now of um, immigration legislation that that is in some shape or form in text um, in the various committees. So again, seeing momentum start to being built around immigration reform. Um, it's been something that honestly has been been pretty severely ignored uh, when we look at um, the Biden administration and and what they've done so far to address, uh, a lot of these issues within our, our immigration system, uh, both for uh, high skilled immigrants, legal arrivals, as well as, you know, undocumented. And so um, I'm, I'm excited to see this really start to gain some momentum. I do, however, um, you know, have some caution. And, and that caution is anytime we've seen momentum start to grow as it relates to immigration reform, very quickly, we've seen it die a, a, a pretty painful death. Um, so again, for me, when we start to look at do smaller standalone bills have a higher probability, I felt that that would be the case. Um, but now we're starting to see a lot of very small standalone immigration uh, pieces of legislation, which I think you could start to see the add-ons, right? Amendments happening to a bigger piece. Um, so it'll be interested to see when and if the Eagle Act makes its way to the House chamber floor. Um, if, if we're going to see a lot more of a partisan vote than we did back in 2019, I think it was July 10th, 2019, that 365 to 65 vote for the Fairness of High-Skilled Immigrants Act. 
Um, I believe that was HR 1044, um, also known as, as uh, uh, S386. Um, so what do you all think? Drop me a question or comment. Uh, your thoughts around this H4 Work Authorization Act, a lot of the different pieces of legislation that are currently out there. Um, would love to hear from you and, and what your thoughts are. Just wanted to ask you again, if, if you haven't already, uh, please make sure you like this video, um, that you're subscribed to the H1B Guide channel here on YouTube. Also that uh, you click the bell for notifications so you're notified uh, anytime we go live like we have here today on April the 13th at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Wanted to thank all of you who have jumped in here in this live stream and taken the time to join me this afternoon. Um, would love to take your questions or comments. So if you do have any questions or comments, please feel free to post those in the chat and I will get to those. Um, with that being said, I wanted to move on to the big news of today. Um, earlier this morning, the Department of State, uh, travel.gov, uh, released its May 2022 visa bulletin um, for family and employment-based preferences. Um, of course, you know, we, for the most part, uh, keep up with um, employment-based preferences here, specifically EB1 through EB4. Um, but I wanted to to just take a minute here and, and talk about um, you know kind of the lack of movement that that we continue to see. Um, if you look at the categories, let's you know what has become a given. If we go back to April of 2021, um, is basically that EB1 is going to continue to remain current. So that's EB1 across all categories, right? Worldwide. China, India specifically. Um, so those are givens, right? They, 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 they seem to be givens. Uh, of course, um, anything could change, but for right now, that, that seems to be a given. The other thing that's become very evident uh, over the last several months is once the retrogression occurred in um, India and China EB3 category specifically, we have not seen any movement since that retrogression. And I think that pattern is going to continue to hold uh, uh, true, at least through the end of the year, uh, the end of the fiscal year, that is. Um, of course, we saw a retrogression in EB4 for El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. Uh, since then, the last two bulletins, that that is held and not no movement. And we haven't really seen any movement um, now over the last six months in Mexico EB4. So that leads me to India EB2 for final action dates, as well as uh, India EB2 dates of filing. And if we look at final action dates for India, um, you know, I felt like we could see about 60 days of movement forward. Um, and what we ended up getting was 55 days of forward movement. So the, the posted date, of course, September 1st, 2013. Um, and that is 55 days forward movement going forward from July 8th of 2013. Um, so I think the thing that to me stands out here is we've continued to see these two to three month increment movements in India EB2 final action dates. Um, if you recall last month for April's bulletin for dates of filing, it was September 1st, 2014. So we're seeing the inching forward, right? That six to 12 months in the future um, based on, on dates of filing. 
However, I was really shocked to see India EB2 dates of filing with forward movement. And the reason why I say that is in, in all honesty, I, I just did not think after a 12 months jump uh, based on USCIS multiple times requesting individuals to uh, sum, submit an exception, right? from the categories, basically asking folks to um, move up to EB2. I didn't think we would see movement, but instead we did. And, and we saw three months, 91 days of forward movement to December 1st, 2014. So I think the thing that that tells me that I think is really interesting, and a lot of you always ask me this question once the bulletin comes out, and I don't predict it as part of my forecast, only because I like to get out the H1B guy grades as soon as the bulletin is put out. So be on the lookout for that, most likely tomorrow. Um, but what I would tell you, and the bit one of the biggest questions I get all the time is, is USCIS going to accept final action dates or dates of filing? And I honestly did not believe last month would be another month of dates of filing. But based on these requests that I'm seeing, and based on the fact that dates of filing moved another three months forward, I feel pretty confident um, that either tomorrow or Friday, USCIS will come out and, uh, and, and say that they are going to be accepting dates of filing um, for the May visa bulletin. And that's really welcome news for a lot of you who've been following this channel for a long time, who have those December 2014 or November 2014 or October 2014 dates. Um, so we're seeing this really big buildup that's starting to happen. And to me, this feels like a pattern of they're going to continue to advance these EB2 dates in these increments. So we're seeing most likely two months for final action and two to three months for dates of filing. I wasn't sure that we would see that. Uh, again, surprised by dates of filing moving forward over the three months. But now that we start to see this pattern, I think that it'll be something um, that will continue to be consistent. So the question becomes, for several months leading into April and May, um, we were alluding to the fact of the, the possibility of corrective action. And now we continue to see forward movement. Corrective action for me in EB3 has been no movement whatsoever. Of course, the retrogression that occurred in EB4. Um, but all of these signs begin to point to a lot of question marks around what's going to happen for October of 2022. And a lot of chatter out there about the possibility of there being a significant retrogression for EB2 um, for that first posting for fiscal year 2023. Um, but I don't know about that. I'm going to have to continue to monitor the situation and work through it. Um, but I'm, I'm not really positive if, if that will be the case or not. It will, it will be interesting to see as we continue to see the movement as to, to, to what occurs um, over the next couple of months and if, if we see this pattern. Another thing that I do think was interesting about the bulletin that came out today is this is also the third month in the row, row um, that, that the Department of State has issued the bulletin on a Wednesday in the second or third week of the month. Um, so, you know, April 1st was a Friday here. So technically, you know, this is, is week two 
um, and the way the calendar month falls through. But uh, listen, we'll continue to monitor this. I know a lot of you have questions around the bulletin and, and have comments around the bulletin. Um, so I would love to jump into those questions or comments that, that you do have. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you agree with what I'm thinking? Do you think that I'm, I'm way off here in, in terms of, uh, you know, what my thoughts are as to, to some of the movement that's happening? Um, but let's, uh, let's get into these questions. You guys go ahead and fire away your comments if you've got them. Um, I see a few here already, so definitely want to get to those. Um, but let's, uh, let's, let's get into these questions and, and comments. The first one that I have um, comes from Vikrant and Vikrant says, what is the possibility of February, 2015 um, priority date for dates of filing of India EB2 in upcoming month? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, the funny thing is here, uh, Vikrant is if we go with, with what I was, um, was just previously alluding to, um, and, and that is this pattern that we've, we've started to see, uh, you started to see dates of filing moving in, in three, two to three month increments. Then we saw a 12 month jump and now we've seen another three month jump. So for you, December, February, I, I mean, I guess, depending on your, your day of the month, uh, Vikrant, um, you know, you, you could most likely be current for dates of filing um, for that February 2015 date uh, for the, the June bulletin. I, I think that that's a very strong possibility, especially if we continue to see, you know, these these jumps, right? These jumps meaning um, that the 90-day the window. So that would put you right in line. Even if it was like a 60-day window, it should put you right in line. Sachin asks, is there any news on second round of lottery or your predictions? Yeah, that's a great question, um, Sachin. I will tell you, I think uh, it's a very high possibility. Um, I've covered this a good bit, and, and I know you keep up with my content a good bit. But basically, I, I'm on the record of saying that I believe once the 90-day period ends, which is June 30th, 2022, once that period ends, um, I think we'll see sort of a similar time frame as to what we saw last year um, in reference to the second lottery selection being held. And if I look at dates around, you know, what does that look like for me? I I've said towards the middle end of July. So if I start to look at, hey, where does July fall? Excuse me. Then we look at the, the week's surrounding it I, I think i would say as early as july 15th or 16th um notifications or selection may be held but anywhere between that 15th to even the end of the month that 29th or 30th but highest probability is on the 22nd of july for a second lottery to be held if you're looking for an exact date i'd say that 22nd when notifications um would be would begin to be received by employers, most likely on that Saturday, the 23rd. Um, and again, I, I think that a very high probability. And why do I say that? Well, you know, ultimately I haven't seen any final numbers. I don't know if you all have or not, but estimated anywhere between 300 to 400,000 uh, lottery applications this year, individual lottery applications by petitioners. Um, 
So even if that's 85,000, I, I got to think that there's probably only going to be a 70 to 80% application rate again, um, just based on the, the duplicate submissions of individuals. Um, so I think that that will still lend itself to, to there being somewhere between 10 to 15,000 uh, visas that still need to be uh, allocated. And so, again, I'll go back to I think that anywhere between July 15th to the 29th is a high possibility. Um, but I think if you want an exact date for me, Sachin, on when I think it would happen, I'd say July 22nd with notifications on July 23rd. Uh, great question. Really appreciate you asking that. Sunil asks, what are my thoughts on filing data becoming current for February 2015 uh, India EB2? Yeah, so the same question as Vikrant had. Sunil, I don't know if you caught it, um, but you know, I, I think that there is a very high probability for you next month. Um, so if I'm you and I'm sitting on a February 2015 date, I'm going to go ahead and make sure that I've got my documents in order. Um, that I'm, I'm working very closely with my employer attorney because you want to be able to get this thing in as fast as possible, get it in, make it happen, and then wait, wait in line and ultimately know that, you know, the, the best outcome for you is probably going to be in the ADAP after 180 days of your adjustment of status, just sitting there. Um, so that's my, my best advice for you, Sunil, is I, same answer as I had earlier for Vikrant is I think, you know, you're, you're at 60 days, I believe it's what, let, let's just say you're a February 1st, 2015. Um, so that's 62 days. Um, so I think that there is a very high possibility that you could land right on that number, or we may even see March of 2015. Very clearly, uh, the Department of State in collaboration with USCIS wants to advance these dates of filing dates. They're forecasting out six to 12 months in advance of where they think final action will be, but they've currently been accepting dates of filing. Um, so it, it, we could, I believe, see that pattern continue. Uh, Sachin, I, I think I answered your question off topic, but second round of lottery, what are my predictions? Again, just to repeat, July 22nd. I think is the benchmark date that I should, that I'll give you, which is that Friday. So I believe if, if USCIS were to hold a second lottery, it most likely would be on that exact date. But if you want a range of dates, anywhere between July 15th um, to July 29th or 30th um, with, and again, you know, these aren't exact. We could see it go as far as that first week of August. But if you're looking for an exact date, my benchmark date is the 22nd. Hey, Nikita, how are you? Priority date of March 2016, India EB2. You know, I got to ask a question earlier um, through maybe YouTube um, one of the comments or maybe it was Twitter. Uh, and I think that you're probably, again, the biggest <laughs> question mark, Nikita, is what happens in October of 2022 right now. Uh, but let's say that nothing does happen and we continue to see this movement. I, I think you're probably somewhere, if I were to give you a, as of right now, 
based on the current movement that I'm seeing, um, I, I think, you know, again, let, let, let's let's give you an exact calculation because looking at what I've seen has, has been most current, um, we're at roughly 2,700 days on these dates of filings now. Um, but I don't know if that will hold as true or if we'll start to see a bit of a slowdown. Um, but I, I was thinking right off the top of my head, you know, somewhere around 18 months, to be honest with you. So what does that mean to you? Uh, again, you know, from where we are, maybe it's a little bit past that. Uh, we could continue to see some pretty aggressive movement here. But if you're looking for just the benchmark date for me, like what can you expect based on the current movement that we're seeing? Um, I think you're probably going to be close to the end of next fiscal year. Um, but again, it, just a benchmark, that's assuming there's no retrogression. So if I were to say, hey, roughly 18 months, or if you're looking for a date based on the current range, um, which would be September 1st of 2023. Um, so I, I don't know if that will hold true. There's a lot of movement that's happening. Of course, very fluid situation going on here, as you're well aware of. Um, but I'd say 18 months or maybe September of 2023. If it happens before that, then that's just great news on your part. Um, I tell you these dates as benchmarks to really help set an expectation for you. So great question. Thank you for joining me here today. Really appreciate it. I uh, just wanted to ask you again, if you haven't already, make sure you like this video. Um, subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube. Click the bell for notifications. Notified anytime we go live like we have here today on April the 13th, 2022 uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern. If you're looking for ways that you can support the H1B Guy platform, you can do so currently through the, the Super Chat function here in the live stream, or there are uh, ways to help sponsor and, and support the H1B Guy platform through um, the video in the video description below. Um, if you're listening to this via the H1B Guy podcast at a later date, if you could leave us a rating, would really appreciate that as well. Um, but just, you know, for, for all of you out there, I just can't thank you enough for taking the time to jump in here with me this afternoon. Um, just really appreciate your support and your consistency in supporting what we do here on this channel. Hey, Kura, how are you? My priority date is December 2013, downgraded 2020, I-140 approved. Do you think refiling would be best bet or wait for final action date to become current then enter file? Um, I think this inner file is a very popular thing right now. Um, I'm assuming, Kura, that you're probably not available for the 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 waiver, the exception waiver, um, because your I-140 is already approved and it's not pending. Um, but I would think enter file would be my my recommendation. Um, and you're 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 really close here, right? So you're at September. You're at December, so September 2013. Not talking about dates of filing, just talking about final action. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if you've consulted with your attorney and sought their advice out. I'm sure that you probably have. Um, but the interfile seems to be the approach that a lot of folks that I've, I've been talking to are taking. So great, great question. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Praveen, how are you? Uh, how many registrations for fiscal year 23? 
um, for the lottery. I've not seen an exact number. I've heard a lot of chatter, um, and I've heard estimates that have said anywhere between at least 300,000 um, to some excessive rumors claiming that there were over 400,000 cases received, which is really eye-opening if you start to think about uh, 85,000 slots and, and uh, 400,000 um, individual names received. I, I, I mean, what is that? 80, 85, um, 21% probability of being awarded if it were 400,000. Of course, I've gone on record and said I expect there to be over 310,000. So I'm definitely eagerly awaiting um, what what the total number is going to be. The value of the H-1B visa has never been higher. The demand for H-1B visa has never been higher. Individuals still want to come to the U.S. under H-1B visa to seek an opportunity here that they may not be able to in other, um, other countries. And it's still plan A. It's still destination A. Sanjay asks, uh, I got picked up in the lottery through an employer. Now I have a full-time offer from a different employer and I'm not sure what to do. Um, if you're here working in the U.S. and this employer that uh, was picked up in the lottery is planning to submit the full petition on your behalf, I would advise you to work for them for at least 30 to 60 days uh, before uh, pursuing an opportunity with a different employer. Uh, unfortunately, you know, this is not transferable. You need to have the approval and you need to have worked for the employer um, that your name was selected on behalf of. And, uh, you know, my advice to you is if you can get working under H-1B visa, even if it's with an employer that you don't want to be working for, your options become um, a little greater because you can always look for and consider um, an H-1B transfer. So, you know, my, my best advice to you here is, is, you know, if you're struggling with the decision um, and you're currently in the U.S. or you're looking to get to the U.S., you do so with the employer whose name was selected. Um, and then you look at leaving them or finding another opportunity at a later date. Listen, you're, if you have a, a tech STEM skill set, you're going to be in demand. You're going to have opportunities uh, to, to find um, a longer term solution that would work better for you under H1B if, if the current employer who was selected is not that. Um, great question, though. It's a tough uh, scenario. A lot of individuals deal with Sanjay. Hey, Kanal, how are you? What are the chances that USCIS will suspend H1B premium processing this year? Um, I haven't heard any rumors of that. In fact, I mean, you know, over. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, USCIS went on record as to um, uh, increasing their premium processing capabilities. And let's be honest, premium processing is the number one revenue generating mechanism for USCIS. Literally, it is. It isn't about the fees. Premium processing um, is a significant source of revenue generation for USCIS. So I cannot see um, the likelihood of them suspending premium processing for H-1Bs, um, for the I-140s, 
Um, and now the I-765, so there's this phased approach that, that, that they mentioned and, and I covered a few weeks ago. Um, so I honestly just don't, I don't see, um, I don't see this as a, a, a possibility at all. So chances, I'd, I'd give it less than 10%. Um, and that may even be a little too significant um, uh, fr from a standpoint of a possibility. Do I think it will happen? Um, I am interested to see how they are going to roll out, though, the, the, the increase in premium processing, which um, you know, they've, they've mentioned and, um, you know, we'll continue to follow, but honestly, I was hearing rumors last September that we would have premium processing for H4 dependents sometime in the next, uh, you know, uh, month to two months. And, and this was back in September. So I was hearing that October was going to be a possibility and we didn't get an update from USCIS until April, March. Um, with a phased approach to how they're going to roll that out. So again, I don't, I don't know what the likelihood of that is, but um, I, I think it's, it's very minimal, but thank you for your question. Um, I've got about another minute here. So if you do have any other questions or comments, please feel free to drop those in the chat right now. And I will try to get to them over the next minute. Um, just really appreciate all of you have taken time here to join me this afternoon um, I did, as I mentioned earlier, be on the lookout for the H-1B guy grades, uh, May 2022, uh, Visa Bulletin predictions versus the actual bulletin release. Um, that should be posted some point tomorrow. Um, of course, you know, the, 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 the hardest two categories to predict continue to be India EB-2 final action and India EB-2 dates of filing. Um, but with that being said, it was very close with India EB2 dates or India EB2 final action dates for this past month. Um, but find out how I did tomorrow if you'll check back here on this channel. Um, but with that being said, you know, I wanted to thank, um, you know, Vikrant and Sashin and Sunil, uh, Nikitha, uh, Kura, Praveen, and Kanal. Thank you all for, for your questions and your comments here today. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to to drop that in the chat for me. Um, I just wanted to remind everyone that today's live stream was brought to you by Syndesis and Path to Canada, uh, the ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. If you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B and Syndesis and Path to Canada are your answers. To find out if you qualify, please be sure to use the link in the video description below and someone from Sedesis or Path to Canada will be in touch. And also by perm-ads.com, the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process. If you're looking to reduce your costs and overhead associated with perm labor certification recruitment advertising, let perm-ads.com help you. And also by Mob Squad. Are you a technology professional facing U.S. work visa challenges? And is your OPT visa about to expire and you weren't selected in the H-1B lottery? Uh, our partner Mob Squad has the solution. Mob Squad helps technology professionals facing U.S. work visa uncertainty remain working with their current U.S. company near shore from Canada and technology professionals around the world who are seeking an opportunity to find a rewarding career in North America. Through their partnership with the Canadian government, they can obtain a Canadian work permit for you and your spouse in as little as six to eight weeks.
Whether you're looking to stay working with your current U.S. company or want to find a new opportunity in Canada, please find out how the team at Mob Squad can help you via the link in the video description below. Just wanted to ask you again one last time, please like this video, subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube, and click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime we post new content here to this channel or go live like we did here today on April the 13th, 2022 at 2 p.m. Eastern. For all of you who took time to join me here in the live stream, who are watching or listening to this at a later date, Thank you so much for taking the time to watch my content and support the H1B Guy platform. I just really cannot thank you enough, and I'm very grateful for your continued support and dedication. If I can help you, please reach out. Let me know how. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, on my Telegram channel. Reach out to me through the H1BGuy.com. Um, and also find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, I am Robert. I'm the H-1B guy. Your global source for all things H-1B.